0: Welcome back to the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. I am your host, Deb Maisner. I'm a registered nurse, health coach, and alcohol-free badass. And today on the show, I have someone who is another alcohol-free badass. She's no bullshit. She's known for cutting the crap. Her name's Beth Farakko, and she describes herself as a strength and nutrition coach, recovering alcoholic, runner, wife, mother, lifter of heavy things, fitness motivator, and champion of personal growth and development. Thanks for coming on the show, Beth. Thanks for having me. Did that leave anything out? That was like No, nope, I helpful. love that idea. i like, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Well, tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do. So my name is Beth Farocco. I have a
1: online nutrition and strength coaching business called Beth Farocco Fitness. I started out as an in-person personal trainer, nutrition coach. And before COVID happened, I was like, you know, this is before everything got shut down. I wanted to build something on my own. My father passed away when I was 18 and left my mother with three children. And she did, you know, we lost the house. She lost everything. So... My thought was, I don't want to be put in that position like my mother was because my husband was at that time when I got into fitness in his forties. So that was my driving force. And here I am. I created a a online business during 2020. And now I have, it started with just me. And now I have three coaches, a salesperson and yeah, a podcast, group coaching and a
0: Patreon. So that is so amazing. Yeah. And I think, well, we'll hear more when you share your story, but like mm-hmm. you have sobriety to owe a yeah. lot of that too. So oh, absolutely. What was your experience with drinking? And drinking? Uh, So I guess it really started when my father passed. I mean,
1: I was 18 when he passed away. That was, I think that was like the tipping point of like the beginning of, you know, of course, you know, alcoholism is like a progressive disease. I didn't like suddenly become like addicted, but that's kind of what started the, you know, I was never like a drinker in high school. I was the designated driver. I was like the good girl, you know? So when that happened, you know, that turned my life upside down. I ended up like traveling and, you know, going to Florida, Arizona, living in San Diego, LA. So I think LA life is when it really started to get really progressive. I was bartending, perfect, you know, opportunity to just drink every single night. <laughs> from there, I moved to New York City. I left LA. I mean, I, I, it was bad. Like I got into drugs. I was a fashion designer in Los Angeles. So I was in that scene and, you know, it didn't really, wasn't at the point it was like ruining my life, but it definitely stopped me from doing a lot of things. I would always was like quit and then start over. I would want to quit and start over. I think I even went to a few meetings in LA and this is right now, like probably 15 years ago. So I was like, if I don't leave here, I'm going to die. So I moved to New York city, still drank. My husband, my now husband was actually my high school sweetheart. We reconnected through, his sister was contacting me on Facebook I and mean, at that time I was in New York city and he lived in Maine where I'm, I am, we're living now. He came to see me, moved back to Maine with him. And you know, we ended up have a son together. We got married. But before we got married and had the son, he had a stroke from an accident from planting trees. He was a landscaper. So he was in like rehab with like a lot of the elderly, which was crazy. And at that same time, I found out I was pregnant with my son. So there's, there's that whole thing. You know, I didn't really, obviously didn't drink when I was pregnant. Had my son... And it was really, I think, postpartum, and it was a hard time just having, like, a husband that was still, like, working on his speech. And, you know, I also had a stepdaughter. He had a daughter from a previous relationship. So I got all, all these things at once. And, you know, so after breastfeeding, I think it was, like, nine months. My son was about nine months. I really started drinking more. Like, I was taking the bartending life into motherhood, which did not mix. It's like, I didn't know how to disassociate the two. So, I, you know, started drinking wine at night. It it was just not, it was not good. The tipping point for me was, it was our anniversary, August 17th of 2015. And I drove from a barbecue, a family barbecue with the two children in the car. Nothing happened, thank God. But I don't really remember much. I remember getting sick and vomiting and stuff like that. And the next day I was like, this has got to end. I'm gonna either hurt myself, kill the kids. It's not gonna end up up well. So there was an AA meeting down the street. And of course, from this decision, there was months and months, maybe a few years of like the thought of like, do I have a problem? I need to quit, I'm so sick of feeling like this. You know, like you just don't, I didn't want to say I'm an alcoholic. But mm-hmm. deep down, I'm like, well, somebody saved me type thing. I'm like, doesn't anyone see what I'm doing? <laughs> like, I wanted like intervention. I wanted to say, Beth, you need to stop. But no one, you know, obviously it has to be up to the person. So I don't, I kind of also hid it very well. I would hide bottles of wine. You know, my husband really kind of knew what was going on, but he almost like supported it in a way where he was like, anything to make you feel better. Do You need more wine type thing. When, when in all it was like, I was like crying for help. It was like a lonely place to be. So I decided I was like, I can't, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I'm like, I'm going to walk into this meeting, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and sat there and I was like, for for the first time, I was like, my name is Beth and I'm an alcoholic. And I felt like such relief to have all of a sudden that so much support. And I'm like, okay, I went every single day for a year. So from there, that's when I got into fitness. I met a girl, Allison, and we met every single day at 530 in the morning. And we would run and do some like outside workouts because it was summer turning into fall. So it's still really nice out. And then at 7am, I would go to my meeting. So I would work out with her and then go to my meeting at 7am. And that was something I did every single day. Then a gym opened up literally across the street from the AA meeting, which is Kind of crazy. And my friend at the time, Allison, she got a new job. We couldn't meet anymore. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm not going to meet my friend. I'm like, okay, I'm going to join this gym. So I joined the gym, started taking classes there at 6 a.m. So it was still perfect. Got out at 6.45, went to my meeting. And then from there, the owner, Hunter is his name. He's actually my the COO of my business now, which is crazy. He's like, you know, they were looking for a front desk person. So I started working at the front desk. And then he's like, do you want to intern? And I feel like you'd be a really good coach. And I was like, yes. So I started interning. And from there, I got certified in nutrition. I became a certified personal trainer. And it just like took off from there.
0: That's amazing. So- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I resonated with a lot of what you said, like having a baby and and being so lonely. Like it, mm-hmm. it's so weird to have kids and not be alone, but feel so lonely, and then mm-hmm. like your husband recovering from his stroke and just so much going on there, and then just you finally finding help. And at that time, for you, it was AA that was helpful. I know a lot of yeah. other people do choose different routes, but yeah. for you, it was very helpful. So, thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, You're welcome. Yeah. And so now you're working with people just to improve their health, improve their fit. And what are your thoughts on like the role of alcohol in that?
1: So what I realized, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I never, obviously don't ever, I never really talk about alcohol with my clients unless it becomes an issue, right? Because we work on, you know helping them recover from their relationship with food or, or, you know, get stronger in the gym, lose weight, feel great. But what I started realizing more and more, because I work with a lot of women in their forties, fifties, sixties, et cetera, is that a lot of them would drink a lot and it would impede their, you know, goals, you know, it was, and it's like, okay, so they, you know, if you're more worrying about how you can fit the calories in from your alcohol, rather than the goal you're trying to achieve, you got to really think about your relationship with alcohol. And if you're, you know, you have this attitude, it's like, well, there's no way I'm going to give up my weekend. da da da. It's like, okay. So what's more important to you? Is it your, your goal or is it your weekend wine binge drinking? So. That that's what kind of got me to like, start talking about it more because I feel like I can relate to a lot of these people. And I started realizing how much of a problem it is. And also not to mention menopause, what do they don't realize is like, like alcohol is like pouring gasoline on your menopause symptoms. It would make everything worse. It's like, okay, if you want to, if you want to make menopause a little bit easier to transition into, you need to kind of look at your lifestyle and, you know, your nutrition and are you drinking every single night? Because You know, it impedes your sleep, and then you're going to eat more the next day. You might not move. You're going to get more anxious. So it's just like a a big cluster of events that happen, especially, you know, for women in their 40s, 50s, beyond.
0: Oh, excellent point about alcohol pouring gasoline on your menopause symptoms. Can you speak to that more? Because we don't talk about menopause a lot and what's happening to women as we get older and then as we're processing alcohol as we get older too. Yeah.
1: So not only does, so alcohol is, it's a carcinogen, it's a poison. And so our body immediately tries to focus on getting rid of it, right? So that, how that impedes fat loss is your body's going to focus on metabolizing the alcohol before losing any fat. Like the fat, fat loss gets thrown to the side. So your liver is like, let's get this shit out of here. So the more you drink, it's like, okay. And then, you know, that's like menopause symptoms, it's just like, like interrupted sleep, like night sweats. You know, you're waking up at two, three, four, five, six in the morning. Well, alcohol, you know, is going to make your sleep worse. You're not sleeping when you're passed out. Year, you know, I think people forget that you don't really you don't get any REM sleep. We're like, I get the best sleep when I'm drinking. It's like, really? <laughs> That's really funny. So there is the sleep aspect, and then also, you know, I know for me, like, I'm going to be fifty. Like, I start getting very anxious, and also, I, you know, alcohol creates more anxiety. So there's that, and then there's you know the cravings and things like that. So you know, alcohol. If you're waking up, you're going to be hungover, and you're going to crave. Other things. And if you're not sleeping, sleep creates a, you know, lack of sleep, creates a hunger hormone that makes you more hungry. So it's really like if you we wanna help menopause, we need to take out the things that are making it worse.
0: Yeah. So, you know. So important. So yeah. key. Cause it does seem like a, a lot of the women I work with too are, you know, 50s, 60s, and and they're just like, I feel miserable. Mm-hmm. And so when you can uh, remove the alcohol, like you can feel so much better. Oh, yeah. Um, and when you were talking about women or and and we shouldn't just say women because men do it, too. Like just making mm-hmm. up your calories for yeah. drinking at night. I had heard a term recently within the last few months called drunk And so that's mm-hmm. just it's not a medical term, but like it kind of sums it up like you know, reducing your calories so you can binge on alcohol. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that was me. That was, I was so tied into wanting to lose weight and be fit, but also still not wanting to give up my wine. And it was only when I could separate like the two issues, like I had to be okay. Like I'd rather be sober and fat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then like drunk and skinny. Cause I was miserable, you know? Yeah. And also it wasn't working, you right. know, drinking the alcohol was not working at yeah. all. So.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like these women, they want to lose, like lose the belly fat and lose the weight, but it's like, okay, but you don't want to do what it takes. And alcohol sometimes is one of those things that you have to like, take a real close look at, like, you know, how is your relationship with alcohol? If you can't see yourself going 30 days without alcohol, then you really need to, that's, that's a problem. And I don't think people are willing to admit that. I mean, it's hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so you do a lot of social media, you're on Instagram, and you do a lot of like, no bullshit posts and reels. And so one of the things you do is about alcohol and just kind of the hypocrisy of the mm-hmm. health and wellness industry and coaches yeah. promoting, quote unquote, healthy wine or organic drinks or whatnot. Can you speak right. to that? Like cut the crap on that. Yeah, Tell me about that. And that all started because of,
1: you know you get these people, I'm, I'm, I'm huge on TikTok. So TikTok's like my, my, my main platform. And I'd kind of like put everything into the the reels to kind of like have, you know, both. And so there's a lot of people on, you know, nutrition coaches on TikTok that will go into the grocery stores and start saying, this is horrible. That's horrible. That's poison. You shouldn't have that. Diet Pepsi has aspartame that's causes cancer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Why aren't we talking about the actual real poison? no one wants to no one goes into the grocery store and is like goes down the alcohol aisle and says don't have any of that that's poison no but they're they're actually you know shaming and you know talking about ingredients are actually safe like aspartame has been proven just because they did a study on rats in 2005 giving them like i think it was like 10 diet pepsis a day which is the equivalent to a human to like 2000 cans of diet pepsi a day um so you know comparing that to alcohol, which is a carcinogen, actual like poison. It's just crazy to me. So that's how I got started in the whole alcohol thing. And it's kind of morphed into a lot more, which I'm excited about because I think it's so important to talk about and people get really heated. And I, you know, sometimes I second guess the videos that I make because I'm like, oh my God, these people are so angry, but I'm like, no, change is never made through making people happy. Or you have to, you know, say things that are, people are going to question for them to start to kind of like understand what is happening.
0: Well, what are what are some of the responses or like discussions that you've had? You know, like not everyone is an alcoholic. No, no kidding. Like a lot of people,
1: you know, you can always t- you can always tell the people in the comment section that actually may have a horrible relationship with alcohol because you know, I I I can recognize the comments and stuff that I would used to say, like, I, you know, everything in moderation, it's like, okay, well, well, great. But what does moderation look like to you? Like moderation to me was a bottle of wine a night. I don't, you know, it could be, you know, three glasses, it could be one glass a week, it can be one a month, or it could be, you know, one a year, like, what is moderation? So I think people, you know, they question that. And that's also like, you can have 10 diet Pepsis and it's not going to send you to the hospital. I think that people don't understand like when you're going off on ingredients that are completely safe, we are not talking about the fact that alcohol kills so many people a year. Like not only like on the road, (laughs) you're ending up in jail or you're, you're, you know, breast cancer, all kinds of cancers, you know, no one's getting their stomach pumped from a diet Pepsi. So I think, you know, and the fact that people really still believe that Diet Pepsi is more poisonous than alcohol just is insane to me.
0: Yeah, I I sometimes get things about that. Well, my drink would be Diet Coke. <laughs> I just want to put that
1: yeah, out m- there. Mine too. I don't know why I came up with Diet Pepsi because I've never drank a Diet Pepsi in my life. <laughs> so I, I'm all about the, the Diet Coke cherry or something, but that's too funny. I'm like Diet Pepsi. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'd like East coast thing. Why are you talking about diet
1: Pepsi? I don't, I don't even know. know. I don't know. Cause I don't.
0: <laughs> or diet kind of Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Or I will get things like, well, so is sugar. Why aren't we talking about sugar? Can you speak to sugar and just your approach on? Yeah. Well, I think sugar,
1: Everyone, you know, wants to also deem sugar, right? Sugar is not the problem. No one is going into their pantry with a spoon and going into the sugar bowl, right? So think about everything that has sugar. Like when people think you're addicted to sugar, they're thinking about donuts or they're thinking about cookies. Okay, but what are those? What do those also have in it? They have fats and carbohydrates. So you can't be addicted, although people love to say it, to a food. Right, it's just—it's not in the category of—I forget the what is the term when you're—you know—it's—it's not deemed a category of like a a, substance. Yeah, you just—you can't be addicted to sugar like you can cocaine or heroin or alcohol. Sure, but people seem to think they have—they are. What they have is they're—they have a horrible relationship with food. So if they, what people do is they'll—they'll binge and restrict. So because they think the donut or the cookie is bad, they will when they have it, they won't stop eating it because they're like, I'm never going to have it again. So they'll go and stop eating it. And then when they have it again, they'll, they won't stop eating it. So they're like, I'm addicted. I can't have it. It's like, no, you just don't have a healthy relationship with food because you think the cookie is bad. You don't incorporate it in your life. And then when you do, You binge on it. It's just bingery strict. I mean, it's pretty common, like with a lot of things. I think it's really comes down the relationship with food and thinking that sugar is bad, but sugar by itself, no one is eating it. It's it's always mixed in with it's with it's a highly palatable food, you know, it tastes good. Who doesn't want to stop eating it? So that's what that's what I have to say about that.
0: Yeah. And I I like to thank sugar for getting me through my first year of sobriety. Yeah, (laughs) you know. Like I, and I always recommend to people like when, when they're giving up alcohol or they're taking a 30 day break, like, Hey, treat yourself, make sure you eat, you know, heavy drinkers have chronically low blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Like you need to be just, I'd rather you have a donut than a DUI or a rhesus than a relapse. So just treat yourself because you are restricting yourself, quote unquote, from the alcohol. So your body's going to want some dopamine some way.
1: Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. It does hit, give you a dopamine hit to the brain for sure. The high, and and so it is like, you know, pizza and anything that's highly palatable. It's like, but you can get the same effect from petting a puppy. And I know people don't like to hear that.
0: (laughs) Well, we need some more puppies, (laughs) right? We need lots of puppies, (laughs) That are readily available. <laughs> yeah. We're we're so like instant gratification that it's yes. really hard to just delay gratification. Yeah. Well, if someone's listening and they're further down like their alcohol-free journey and they're like, now I'm ready to cut the sugar or not like completely eliminate it, but I'm ready to... Just take a little more control over my health and fitness. What what mm-hmm. tips do you have for those people? I think a huge one is, is like a lot of people don't know how to balance their plate. So when
1: you have a balanced meal, like your meals contains like protein, a fat and a carb source, having the protein that's going to help balance your blood sugar. And a lot of people will just have like a carb induced breakfast like let's say the just cereal alone although cereal is not bad there's no protein in there it's not going to keep you full it's immediately you're going to be hungry like an hour later so i think having a balanced plate knowing what that looks like so having like a let's say they say a palm of protein for women and two palms of protein for men at each meal and then making sure you have like a thumb of fat a fistful of veggies and a cupped handful of carbs so let's say like a breakfast, if you wanted oatmeal, cause that's a carb source, I would say, okay, what's your protein? Maybe you can have egg whites in your oatmeal. That's actually really good. Don't knock until you try it, you guys. Or, you know, you can put a scoop of protein powder in there, have some berries, put a little bit of nut butter. You have like a really nutrient dense meal and you're gonna be full until lunchtime. So I think really knowing how to build a healthy plate is, is, is key, that's gonna help alleviate your cravings. And then also allowing yourself a daily treat. Like also within moderation, right? So that would be a serving, not like you can have a donut, you don't need five. So it's like, you know, there's nothing after that second donut that you didn't get in the first. That's just the same thing with wine. There's nothing in that second glass of wine you didn't get in the first. So just always remember that you can have more tomorrow. I think a lot of people that it's like, oh my God, I'm never going to have this again. That's that good food, bad food thing. So tell yourself, I'm gonna, I can have another one tomorrow. And then the next day, you can have another one the next day. So it's really building a balance plate and incorporating those foods you love and not restricting those.
0: Mm -hmm. And then how about for people who are listening and they're like, I need to take a break or cut out alcohol. What advice do you have for those that are just starting out?
1: I go with like challenges, you know, I usually start with like a 30 day challenge. It's like, okay, if you can, you know. Go 30 days, see how you feel, reflect on those 30 days. And if they're like, I I can't do 30 days. It's like, okay, well, maybe start with 10. Start with, do, you know, do something. And then hopefully, just like when I say, you know, with walking, try 10 minutes a day. Most likely you're going to go more than 10 minutes. It's just getting out there and doing and starting it. But, you know, and also I'd like, I, you know, if they can't and they question even doing that, it's like, okay, well, maybe you need to actually get some help. It's okay to ask for help. Um, you know, we can't do everything sometimes. So I think it's important for people to realize that that is, in fact, okay to ask for help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think having those manageable chunks, that's, mm-hmm. I do have a free 10 day email challenge. Here are um, you? Mm-hmm. Yep. On my website on com, And then, I do 30 day challenge groups too mm-hmm. just because for someone you, you know changing their relationship with alcohol it can be really hard and yeah. and forever sounds so daunting and so right. just having these these manageable goals and chunks and looking at them as an experiment and then seeing like okay how do I feel without alcohol? Do I want to continue? What do I want this to look like in my life? How do I want to manage this relationship? Yeah. And almost like take like alcohol as like with food. Right. So it's like, I can
1: always, I can always drink tomorrow. Right. Or like, I can always have that second donut tomorrow and just keep telling yourself. Cause like, you don't, it's not like you're going to stop eating donuts forever although alcohol is a little bit different, you know, for, for some of us, like myself, I, there's, you know, I can't, I can tell myself I can drink tomorrow, but I'm not going to, I know what that's going to lead me to. But if I have to tell myself that just to change the thoughts in my brain, that's, that's what I do.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good tip where when you're having a craving, just be like, okay, I'm feeling what I'm feeling now is a craving. If Mm -hmm. I choose to drink tomorrow, I can drink tomorrow. And sometimes that's enough to do a little like switch in your brain. Yeah. And so you, you do the same thing with food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I want, so let's say like, this is what I would tell my clients.
1: If they're like, I can't stop at just one cookie. It's like, but you can, you're just telling you first off. It's like the, we got to change the words, how we speak. Right. Because our actions or our thoughts dictate our actions. So you're a person working on um, moderation with that cookie. So. You have that cookie and then just tell yourself, I'm going to, I can have more tomorrow because you can have more tomorrow. It's not going to be not there for you. Just like if you have like a box of pizza, have a slice of pizza or two, and you can have the rest tomorrow for your left for leftovers. And so the more you do that, and that's, you know, what I've, I do all the time now. That's how, you know, eating my food. It's like, okay, am I, I'm full right now. I don't really need more. I'm going to take this to go or put it away and it, it works and I can have more tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So simple. Yeah. But practice takes practice. And that's like the thing.
1: It, it does take practice. It's not a, it's not an immediate like success, but it, yeah. it, it works if you work it right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I find myself saying a lot of the AA sayings within my, my coaching, which is so interesting because it, it really does like coincide. I feel like a lot of the times.
0: Well, tell me some of, some of them that are useful. I'm trying to think now. Oh, let's see.
1: What is something I use? Oh my goodness. Now I'm on the, like, I can't think now.
0: Well, it works
1: if you work it. It works if you work it. One day at a time. What's another one I've used? One is not enough is 10 is too many. I think that's an AA like thing, isn't that? I think I said that the other day. What is, why can't I see There's I'm on like, the spot? Take, I can't think of any. Take what you take want. Take what you want and leave the rest. Yes. I do say, I do say that with my videos too. It's like, okay. Or, or I, I've said that with like, if I'm making a recipe and someone's like, well, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't like that. It's like, well, take what you want and leave the rest. You can always, you know, exchange anything you want in this meal. Like nothing is, people don't like to experiment, but yes, that is, that is one I use. I'm trying to think of others. If, if I do throughout the conversation, I'll, I'll like, <laughs> okay. I'm having a, I'm having a mind fart right now.
0: <laughs> I have them all the time. It's the Diet Coke. Well, we play. Oh my gosh! Yes,
1: I blame it on being forty-nine and like having brain parts all the time now.
0: Well, I, I, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. What are some other thoughts? Like, what, what would, what else is on your mind? Like, for someone who's listening to this, because this is a podcast for people changing their relationship with alcohol.
1: I think that like nothing. People think that that you know, all is lost without alcohol, right? Like, I'm not going to be, I used to think of alcohol as like my best friend. Like, it's not like, uh, it's sad to me now, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be, the, I'm not going to be fun anymore. You know, I'm going to be so bored. It's like, well, actually life is just beginning without alcohol, even though like, you know, I get the so first year is really hard because it's it, socially, and this is what's What I want to change is like, why are we so concerned about people not drinking when we should be actually more concerned about people drinking? Like, I want to change the narrative of, you know, it should be more acceptable to be the non drinker than to be acceptable to to be the drinker. I think that we should be questioning why we're drinking rather than why aren't we, is really where we should be going. And asking yourself, like, what is this doing for me that's positive? Is it, is it, there anything positive that you're getting out of drinking? 99.99% 99.99% of the time, you probably not like it. You're getting drunk. You're feeling like shit in the morning. You know, it, 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 to me, like now when I look back, there was nothing positive that drinking ever gave me besides a hangover, fights with my husband, almost getting in car accident, gaining a bunch of weight, just nothing like my health was in the shitter. My gut was, you know, it was like, my stomach was horrible. There's just really t- nothing positive about it. And I If I was to ask someone, you know, give me 10 things, 10 positive things that alcohol does for you. I bet they probably couldn't name one besides maybe alleviating social anxiety for like five minutes.
0: Yeah, it's most of the things alcohol that we think alcohol does for us, like relaxes you, makes you more talkative, you know, is short term and it can Mm -hmm. be replaced by something healthier.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's another thing. It's like, if, if you have any, any sort of mental health things going on, anxiety, depression, you should not be drinking. And no, drinking does not make your anxiety better. It doesn't make your depression better. I used to think that, and in fact, it just made it 10 million times worse because I'd have to drink again the next day. Cause I was like, <laughs> like you said, it alleviates it for that moment. And then the next day you're like unheightened an anxiety. And then you'd have to drink again to get rid of that and then drink again the next day to get rid of it. So it's like a, a, a consistent cycle of, you know, that whole process of anxious drink, anxious drink.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you have been alcohol-free for how long? It will be seven years in August, August oh. 21st. Congratulations. And Thank how you. Has, how has your life changed since giving up drinking? Oh my goodness.
1: Well, well, I created a, a, a business, which, It's huge for me because I was always the person that would start something and stop it because of my drinking, you know, and do just facing things head on, you know, not and, you know, completing a project, you know, not our my relationship with my husband is a million times better. And, you know, things that I used to be like, oh, my my son is, you know, I'm this and that I have to do this now. It's like you just do things and you just don't really think about it. Before I felt like I was blaming all my problems on everything. Right. Besides my, what I was doing. Like, you know, life sucks, but no, it's just because I was drinking. Everything sucked because I was drinking. That's, that's what it was. It's like, if you, if you have lots of stress and and work and relationship and you're drinking and you know, it's not making it any better.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Well, what are
1: your plans for the future? My plans for the future is just, you know, still like helping as many people I can, you know, Heal their relationship with food, become the strongest person they can, and really change how society views alcohol and people that drink alcohol. That, that I feel like that I'm pulled even more to do that mm. right now because yeah, it seems know. to be coming up, and us women need to be strong right now, and we're not getting any stronger by ruining our health. Like it's time to take charge of our health, and alcohol to me is not included in, in being a healthy woman, strong woman. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, how can someone find you? You guys can find me. I'm on TikTok at Beth Barocco Fitness, Instagram, Beth Fitness, BethFaracoFitness.com for coaching. I have a Patreon called Cut the Crap with my business partner, Matt. And we also have a podcast called Cut the Crap with Beth and Matt, where we talk about all kinds of stuff. Such on a Spotify, good. iTunes. And-
0: yeah, such a good name. So what, what is a Patreon? I'm going to just admit like I'm not fully versed. So
1: on- we, Patreon is, you know, where people can come and support you for like pretty, like really low, non-expensive way, right? If you want to support someone, then you can go to the Patreon and kind of like subscribe. And you get like, there's certain tiers. So we have a $5 tier and we believe like fitness should be for everybody and not everyone can afford a coach. So Matt, I met on TikTok. we kind of get tagged in the same stuff. He's another online coach and people are like, you guys have a lot of the same, you know, views. So we decided to start a podcast together. And now the Patreon is a way where people can kind of work with us together. um, Rather than our separate coaching services. So for the $5 tier, people can get monthly workouts and monthly challenges. So Matt writes the monthly workouts. I write the monthly challenges. There's no coaching involved whatsoever. It's just a place where the number one thing we get asked is like, oh, I don't even know where to start in the gym. So it's like, okay, here you go. Here's a, here's a plan for you. So they can take that, go to the gym and and start. So if you can't afford you know, much, $5, that's, you know, you get monthly challenges. This month is a step challenge and we're giving away a kettlebell or a Fitbit. We're going to draw a winner. Yeah. Cool. So people that have been consistent with the step challenge will get a prize. And so the $10 tier will get everything that the $5 tier had, except they have access to over 130 right now, like recipes, low calorie, high protein recipes that actually my clients have access to as well. We are in with this company called Now We're Cooking, who Hunter, the guy that's the COO my business owns with Chef Richard. So Richard has lost 300 pounds. And so he's created recipes for like, families and children, family friendly, I should say. So every, every week there's three new recipes added to this recipe portal and they're all incorporated with my fitness pal. So they're easy to track and things like that. So that's what the $10, $10 tier. So that's, they're getting a huge deal right there. So that's great. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: Okay, good. Well, I will put links in my show notes so people can find you and I just want to thank you again for coming on the show and sharing your story and just fighting the good fight. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. Please share and review the show so you can help other people too.